0: Christians are supposed to be Christ like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The author is Pastor William Floyd Dopp, retired Episcopal priest who joins me from California, and he has written a book that is a provocative title, Is There Hope for the Christian Faith? Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you, Jay. I appreciate uh, your uh, taking time to interview me.
0: The title was inspired by a conversation you had with one of your parishioners. Can you share that story with us, please?
1: Well, I have been studying the um, the development of the church, uh, all of my ministry, but particularly um, since the late 90s when I was working on my doctorate, and uh, I, I'm studying congregational development. And in that time uh the there was a great ecumenical movement going on a lot of wonderful things going on but all of a sudden they started to slow down and uh I gave a sermon one sunday talking about um the the people who do not attend church and one of my parishioners came to me and told me that his children uh didn't attend church any longer uh his family was Pretty much uh, estranged from the church, and is asked. He asked the simple question: Is there hope for the Christian faith? Well, the quick answer was, Oh, of course. But then I really started to study the situation, and I had just made my first trip to Africa. This was in '97, and I realized that there the church was growing in leaps and bounds. Uh, uh, in my first book, uh, book which was entitled um, The Tale of Two Churches. Uh, my wife and I were on our way to Uganda, and in London we stopped and um, stayed overnight on our long trip, and we attended church on a Sunday morning in London, and it was a great big old Gothic church, and there were 12 people in it, and I was very depressed by that. Uh, the next Sunday I was uh, taking part in worship, in Kasoro, Uganda, a city that's 50 miles off the end of a paved road. And uh, they have a 1,200-seat church there, and it was so, such a large crowd, they had to hold worship outside. Amazing. And that was the tale, that was the tale of two churches, and that was the wake-up to this pasture.
0: <laughs> and Uganda has a history of persecution of the church and those of Christian faith, does it not?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, their history. Uh, is about that. There, uh, the the early Christian missionaries that came there were either thrown out, and the first Christian bishop to come there uh, from England, a missionary bishop, uh, was martyred. And one year later, the his followers, uh, 32 of them, uh, were um, put to death by the king because they refused to um, renounce their Christian faith. And they have become what are known as the martyrs of Uganda. Uh, a national holiday in Uganda is June 3rd. That is the date uh, when those uh, young men were um, put to death, and that was in 1886. And they've had a history of being Christian since then.
0: Where do you think the passion comes from? I, I think it's more than social climate, obviously. there There's something deeply rooted in their faith.
1: Uh, yes, it is, and and I think it's deeply rooted in the hope they have in their faith. Um, when when the the early Christians came there, um, uh, they tried to instill into the into the local people the fact that uh, faith is a byproduct. Of, uh, I mean, excuse me, hope is a byproduct of faith, and um, that's sort of a a, a basic Christian doctrine. And the people really understood that because they were they were in the midst of tribal wars, in the midst of uh, dealing with a king, who uh, wanted no part of Christianity, and um, they stood up to it. And not only did that, but it it gave them hope.
0: That's been their so, history. Uh, yes, and you've you've visited there recently, and I have a, a kind of a contemporary Christian uh, question, I suppose. The local churches, at least in my region, have gone ultra-contemporary, uh, including almost creating a club atmosphere in some ways. I've seen some with uh, smoke machines and, and other things that uh, are trying to attract a congregation. Is any of that spilling over into Uganda, into the uh, traditional faith?
1: Uh, well, they're very traditional over there, and and their worship is very traditional. Um, uh, Uganda is uh, very largely uh, Anglican, uh, although the the English influence uh, has long since left. The missionaries left there around World War One, and it became the indigenous faith. Um, and the Roman Catholics pretty much the same way. They they uh, are traditional. However, they they have adopted a few contemporary things, but that that isn't what. Attracts people to church. Um, the church that we were at uh, earlier in uh, in August, um, uh, they had uh, projectors uh, projecting the words of the hymns, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a good sound system so that people could hear the hear the choir. And but it was a very traditional church, and I don't think anyone came there just to see the projector. Right. Um, they, they, came there, they came there so they could see, so that they could sing the hymns, and it was uh, helpful to have the hymns projected on a screen. Um, and I, I talked with the um, the head of the cathedral there, uh, which they refer to as their vicar, and I asked him about the the you know the introduction of, of the visuals and so forth. And he said, "Well, it just helps." He said, "It doesn't make our worship," and I I think that's. Pretty pretty good uh, way of putting it. Now at their national cathedral in Kampala, um, they have the largest pipe organ in in the uh, in all of Africa. Wow! And wow. it is very traditional. Wow! <laughs> um, so you know you 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 would just have to say um, yeah they've done some contemporary things. Uh, they they've done some contemporary versions of, of standard hymns. And I heard some hymns that I hadn't heard before last time I was there. Mm. So you know, it, uh, they've done some things to to keep the church lively and and uh, meaningful, but that's not the purpose. Uh, no. Their purpose is the faith.
0: Yes, and the and, the the, folk- and
1: the good news of the gospel. That's that's why they're
0: there that's encouraging what, what what are you seeing happening in the church in general this book was written for what reason when you uh, when you pose that that question is there hope for the christian faith
1: well you know this is the 500th anniversary of the uh, protestant reformation uh, martin luther put his his theses on the uh, door at the wittenberg church in germany in uh, 1517. Here we are, 500 years later. Well, the Protestant Reformation uh, did a lot of wonderful things for the church. It 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 opened up thinking. It brought um, the scriptures to the forefront. Uh, that's why it's called Protestant or Protestant. It, it is the the uh, evangelical uh, understanding of the faith. On the other hand. Um, it also had people now with so many different interpretations of the faith um, I, I'm not certain where the reformation is going but I know there's a new reformation going on and it's happening in the developing world and I think the mark of the new reformation is uh, is mission the, the church in mission it's very much like the early church it is spreading to uh, the good news of the gospel To people that don't know it. And um, you take places like Africa, South America, India, China. This is where the church is growing at an incredible rate, and it's because the church is in mission.
0: I believe that. I have a friend who is a a minister evangelist who has uh, implemented a Bible study or Bible uh, college course. In correspondence, and he has graduated worldwide about thirty-two thousand students so far. Wow. Has been able to get behind the iron, well, the behind in, into Cuba, and has has a very vibrant uh, church response there from from those who are are committed to the gospel. So it's it's encouraging. Yeah. There are there are things happening in in the world of, of faith, and
1: it's no small thing that uh, the new pope is from South America and i think uh, pope francis is is one of the reformers i think he is is um uh bringing the catholic church back into its ministry and i i i, I follow his his uh, wonderful understandings of of how it is to be uh in the ministry i love what he said about his pope or his popes his uh, bishops he said there are to be pastor bishops, not pilot bishops. <laughs> I, I love that. That's, that's exactly what the church needs to be. We need to be pastors, and we need to uh, uh, be the shepherds that lead people to uh, the good news of the gospel. And I, I think uh, the fact that, that a South American um, man who was a school teacher and who lived among the people who uh, became a bishop in South America and then became pope uh, is is out of the ordinary for uh, for the church, and I think this is a sign of what's going on. I think there's others in in the faith today that are taking it to new places. Uh, a man by the name of uh, Nicky Gumbel in England, uh, who started a program called the Alpha Courses, that have reached. Somewhere around fifty million people around the world hmm. and it's it's a course in christianity and it and his programs are just incredible and um, I've happened to have taken his course and <laughs> I just feel so moved another uh-huh. one is is um, uh, pastor Rick warren in uh, here in California yes. uh, his his book uh, the purpose driven life uh, is a life changer and if people understand what he's saying it It is an absolute life-changer. And I think these are the new Reformers of the Church. And I think what they're doing is taking the good news of the Gospel to people who probably wouldn't know it otherwise.
0: Would you describe your book as difficult to understand, or is it uh, basically for the everyman, the the guy who may be searching for faith or may be in faith but needs a little inspiration?
1: I hope it's for the everyman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I do I do teach at a at a, a, a theological seminary so I'm always afraid that I'm getting too academic so I, I wrote this book uh, to be for the average person I I tried to explain uh the things that I've experienced in everyday terms and um one of the one of the people I hold up in the book is a, is a man by the name of Festo Kevin Jair he was a, a a bishop in Uganda in the uh 70s and 80s, he was the guy that stood up to Idi Amin, the terrible dictator there, and he was uh, referred to as the Billy Graham of Africa, Um, and partly because he actually started with Billy Graham, and then later went on to his own ministry, Uh, but he brought the idea of of the Christian faith to people uh, throughout all of Africa and uh, all of the people who are now leading the church in Africa are people that came up in uh, in his era. And um, so I, I, I lift him up in the book, and he is a very everyday kind of a guy. Um, he was the guy that wrote the book, I Love Idi Amin. And how could a man who has had a price on his head from Idi Amin write a book like that? Well, he talked about forgiveness, that we cannot... Uh, as Christians, uh, live in in hatred and in resentment and anger. Uh, we have to live in love, uh, even to those who are our enemies. And uh, that has inspired people throughout the world, but in particularly in Africa. And Desmond Tutu, who wrote the wonderful book, No Future Without Forgiveness, was certainly inspired by Bishop Festo. So I, I lift him up because he was an everyday kind of a guy and and his story and his his preaching uh were were just absolute testaments to the idea that in through forgiveness uh, we find our hope.
0: Well, Pastor, I also like the fact that you have included uh, personal personal anecdotes and stories uh, from your life in the book. It's not just a um, uh, not just a professorial approach. It's very conversational. You have uh, titles like Secularism and the uh, Soccer Fields. You talk about your trip to to Great Britain and uh, and experiences that you encountered there in different church congregations, and uh, also especially you've highlighted Africa and the revival that seems to be in place there where people are passionate about their faith and pursuing it. Uh, I love uh, the, the conclusion also. The Holy Spirit leads us. So there's there's a, 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 a well-rounded approach to observations about the Christian faith and whether there is hope in the future. And obviously, from your perspective, you're you're still an optimist.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and, and I, as I say in the book at the very beginning, uh, the answer to the question uh, is there hope, For the Christian faith is yes, and I I basically say, please read the book, so you'll find out why I say that. (laughs) And in the end, I basically say that the reason that I say yes is because the Holy Spirit's in charge, and the Holy Spirit has grabbed people in in uh, the developing world, and is lifting them up uh, to do new things and to be. In a whole new uh way of of living in living in in as they say in the living in the light of christ and uh to me this is so refreshing. well, the interesting thing to me is that I see this happening also in Europe and in North America that we're looking at what's going on in the developing world and saying they're on something mm-hmm. um, the the uh new Archbishop of York in England is from Nigeria.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: the new uh, um, cardinals in the, in the Catholic Church are mostly from Africa and South America and India. Um, and these are the people who are going to be leading the faith in, in years to come. And what I'm seeing is is that a, a whole new movement is happening. Uh, in the church, and I'm not talking about any particular denomination, but Christianity in general. Uh, and it is it is moving at a very rapid pace. Uh, I see uh, churches like uh, Rick Warren's famous uh, church in um, Orange County, uh, California, is sending people to Africa, not to be missionaries, but to study what they're doing. <laughs> Beautiful. And, and I, I find that refreshing.
0: It is refreshing. This is this is a book I'd highly recommend uh, to anyone who has even a curiosity about Christian faith or just about what's happening around the world. The title again is Is There Hope for the Christian Faith? Subtitled 500 Years After Martin Luther, the Christian Church is Beginning a New reforma- Reformation. My guest has been Pastor William Floyd Dopp, D.O.P.P. if you're doing a search online and it's uh, there's no pastor in front of the uh, the author's title, it's just William Floyd Dopp. Pastor Bill, where do my listeners get copies of this
1: well um, uh, they can get it through uh, any bookstores uh, and, uh, can order it uh, through um, Barnes and Noble and any of the major stores Amazon and any of the those that have uh, uh, book uh, ordering they can do that uh, they can also uh, get uh, a um, electronic version of the book and uh, which is available as well. There's both a hardcover and a softcover edition of the book as well.
0: Uh, Do you possibly have a website yet?
1: Yes, we do. I do. And it's uh, williamfloyd.com. And on the website, uh, there's information about the book. Uh, There's some reviews of the book. Uh, I've had some wonderful reviews, and I'm so grateful to the presiding bishop of the uh, Lutheran Uh, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, uh, because she wrote a a very nice review of my book, and I appreciate that very much. Um, Also, uh, uh, on the website, I do a weekly blog. I do a little um, sermonette every Sunday, and it's called uh, Sunday Food for Thought, because at the end of each chapter, I have a Food for Thought, so I decided to just continue that. <laughs> so it's on my website every Sunday, and we get a, uh, quite a few comments on that each week.
0: Well, excellent. so I hope,
1: people, I hope people will look for that. Uh, the whole idea is to uh, provoke some thought about things that are going on in the world. I just recently uh, put a thing up about uh, the disasters and the storms that hit Texas and Florida, and... Uh, uh, I, I talked about uh, how um, uh, the body of Christ, the hand of the hands of the feet of the church, are actively there helping, and uh, we 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 pray for those people in those places.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, Pastor, for for sharing your your life history at least to some degree in this book. Is there hope for the Christian faith? And thank you for joining me today. Best of uh, best to you and and yours in the future and. Uh, we pray that your book is a runaway success. Thank you again.
1: Thank
2: you, Jay.
0: My pleasure. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
3: The National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute defines high cholesterol as a condition in which you have too much cholesterol in your blood. By itself, the condition usually has no signs or symptoms. People who have high blood cholesterol have a greater chance of getting coronary artery disease. According to the American Heart Association, more than 120 million Americans over the age of 20 have cholesterol counts that are above a healthy level. Harvard Medical School says that the good news is that cholesterol levels can be controlled, and just by lowering your total cholesterol 10%, you can decrease your heart attack risk by 20 to 30%. Making changes in your eating is important, but including daily exercise is a must. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled When God Speaks. Subtitled He Says Amazing Things And the author, at least what's on the cover of the book, is Writer for the King The actual author's name is Deborah A. Bennett and she joins me from Michigan Welcome to the program, Deborah
4: Thank you, well, it's great to be here
0: It's a pleasure to visit with you, you have, uh, This is the first book that you've put into print uh, Have there been yeah. other ideas that you've wanted to develop Or is this uh, the first, first thing that really has uh, been an inspiration for you And you wanted to put it put out there for the public?
4: I've done writing through the years in local newspapers and things like that, and I have another book that came about in 1996 but hasn't really gone anywhere. It's just kind of still sitting there. Um, but this was the first one that just literally came about within 12 to 15 days and um, has quite a story as far as how it came well, in. How did,
0: how did it happen? I, I understand it was back, what, 2009 maybe, about that time frame yeah. that, that the idea yeah. came to you.
4: Um, I was struggling with what to get our adult children for Christmas. And one morning the Lord said, during my devotional time, write a devotional book for them for the next year. So I got all excited, thought I'd be sharing my thoughts. And the first day I came home from work, had my Bible and journal and everything sitting there, and all of a sudden I heard the, the Lord say, January 1. And he just started speaking it out. And for the next 12 to 15 days, when I would come home from work, He would just, I was astonished. I was like, is this really happening? Am I really hearing this? This is amazing. And he would pick up right with the next date, and he would say things once in a while that would just kind of make it funny, like March 5th, is his first word that day was popcorn. And, you know, God knows all things, so I just kept typing what he said, and by the time I got done, I was just broken. Um, I was amazed. I had a wonderful little book. It had a different title at that time called Come Hear My Voice. And we gave it to the kids for Christmas. And one friend, and she started editing it on an airplane because she knew it was going to go somewhere. And uh, in January of that year, 2010, he said, print 100 at the local university print shop. So we did. And those were given out and sold at a local store. And about 2012, I started to run out of books and thought, what do I do? And I had um, gotten a bonus at work, which the Lord had told me, that money's mine, I'll tell you what it's for. Hmm. So on a snow day from school, he said, call your friend. My my friend is a multi-author she told me about author house and how to get it going and within that was january 17th 2012 and the book went to print february 2nd or 3rd
0: that's incredible it went
4: that, yeah it came together that fast um we changed the title and the picture on the book which makes it more appealing to everyone but actually says what the book is about when god speaks he says absolutely Amazing things.
0: <laughs> well, the, and, the, and this is not, and, and I, I hope this doesn't uh, sound offensive, but there are some new agers that uh, get to what's mm-hmm. called channeling. This is not a channeled book. This is actually uh, no. an inspirational book from, from from your spirit. Is that the way to describe this?
4: Well, yes. Jesus said that when he left the earth, he was going to send the gift of the Holy Spirit and that he was not leaving us orphans. He would be speaking to us and telling us things and reminding us things that he had said, and so, you know, like, if the phone rings right now, you know your wife's voice from a stranger's voice, so over time, I just have a great friendship with the Lord, and I recognize his voice, and um, not not that that's perfect, but it was funny, because some days, I would get so excited about what he was saying, that I would type something, and he'd go delete that, I didn't say that, and Uh so... I could not put my name on this book, and it still astonishes me because it's little short daily devotional excerpts that just encourage, excite, um, let you know that God is real. He's alive. He's relational. He's not some big ogre in the sky.
0: And there's uh, actually 365 uh, inspirational moments or comments. Uh, We would call them paragraphs or stories. How would you describe those individual pieces?
4: Well, I think it's February 10th is just one sentence, and then some of them are several lines, several sentences. Um, But they're small enough that that's what I loved when he kept it simple so that my kids who are extremely busy and both pastors and planting churches and doing inner-city work, they don't have time to read a a ton of stuff, but just enough to give them a nugget to ponder for the day Um, or the evening if it's late at night when you read. And even myself, I don't pick it up every day. I use some of the others that are out there, Jesus Calling for one of them. Um, But it's, it's just fun. And what it does is it gets you realizing that God is still speaking. He didn't quit, and He loves for us to spend time with Him. Just sit, but you got to listen. And,
0: yes, and, and they—they are—I would call them a, a cheer up for the day. Might be a way of saying it. They're—they're they're yeah, very, very positive exactly. and, and upbeat. Yes. Yeah. In fact, December 10th, I have that in front of me. It says wood has so many uses. You can build with it, design with it, sit on it, whittle and carve it, weather it, uh, burn it, chop it, polish it, renew it. Uh, And then you use this inspirational thought. You are a righteous planting, an oak of the Lord. Stand firm and tall for me. Be like a spreading mustard seed, offering strength and oasis to all. I will fill you with myself. It will not be your strength that draws and sustains, but mine. And the the encouragement there is STAND, in capital letters. Yes. And that is the style of your book. It's inspirational and short to the point.
4: Yes. I kind of was surprised this last year I work at a school and we had a foreign exchange student came up to me at a going away party and he said, I'm taking your book home. And I went, what? Hmm. He said, somebody gave me a copy of your book. I'm taking it back to Spain with me. And I was broke. I was just like, what? I don't even know who or where he got it. And another young man who's in his early 30s came into my office last week and he said... I have a copy of your book, and now I found out my mom has a copy. Wow. And he said, your book sustained me last year, last week and helped me make some great decisions. That's not me.
0: Boy, that cheers That's you up. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that'll cheer you, you know? up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, wh- when you began or when you finished this book, what did you feel would, uh, would be the end result? What did you hope to accomplish with it?
4: Well, that, like I say, that Christmas, it was just to have a gift to give to our kids. And, um, you know, they were a little surprised by it, too, and amazed. And, but he had told me to print an extra copy and give to this one older friend of mine. Unbeknownst to me, she was traveling the country for Christmas, and she started editing the book feeding it on the plane, because I had done it so quickly. I started writing it December 1st, finished mm-hmm. it the 15th, and got it printed in time for Christmas. So I did not do a proofread. And so as she was reading her copy, she found errors and mistakes and things that needed to be fixed, and she had a grammar background. And so then in January, when he said, I want you to print 100 copies and get them out there, and ever since then, um I carry them with me because many times I'll meet a stranger or someone and the Lord will say give them a book Hmm. and it usually has been um a great encouragement to them at the moment um not just a gift but impact their life and uh so that's if if anybody reads it and finds out that they want to listen to him and get to know him as personal friend instead of you know it's not about religion it's not about a church or denomination this is just a one-on-one relationship with Jesus and man it is a blast <laughs>
0: uh-huh. uh, would you, would you would you consider your book different from others out there i know there are some other inspirational books that uh, you know deal with similar material how would you describe your book as as being different
4: um I'm not sure it's different, because if the Holy Spirit is speaking the words, um, like like I said, through Sarah Young or the old God calling, um, there's so many devotional books. I know some people, they don't claim that it's God's words. It's what they've learned from him that they've put into their book. Um, and so that might be the difference. I can't claim one word of this book. In fact, I had a teacher friend who just kept insisting I um, autograph her book, and I kept telling her, no, I can't do that. So one day I just succumbed to the pressure, and I signed it, Jesus loves you. That's all I could put. And the next, when I got home that night, the Lord said, take her a clean book tomorrow, and you do not give that other book away. You keep it because you cannot autograph. It's my words with you for my kids
0: well that's so that
4: was a real um discipline for me it was it solidified that this book is his that's why my name is not on it i'm just his secretary like the old-fashioned scribes who trans you know who would sit and write for the person talking that's kind of what
0: I did. This is an interesting approach to writing and sharing your faith and also inspiration to those who uh, might buy the book or might read mm-hmm. the book. It, it, was there any challenge in in preparing this for print? Was it simple to do? How did you how did you how would you look back on the experience? Is this uh, a rewarding experience and one that you hope to experience again in the near
2: future?
4: Absolutely. I'd love to write always have I type. I've typed since I was in high school, um, and so the writing of it was simple. Um, I had never published anything, but I do um, get things printed at this at the university for the school that I work at, and so they worked with me and helped me figure out how to put it together. But the bigger challenge was when, in 2012, we decided to go full tilt with an actual author house publishing company and like i say it was about 12 to 13 days they walked me through the process and they're an amazing company they they always have someone um 24 7 you can call in and so there were many nights i was on the phone with them um they talked me through the process um it's it was it's great that you can now do this self-publishing thing to at least get started and um I just I would encourage people to do it if if God is giving them something or they have an idea. For me, I can't wait to do the next thing that that he puts on my plate. Maybe it'll be that book from 1996 that's still sitting on the shelf.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations on completing this one. The title again is When God Speaks. He says amazing things and if you look for it by author, it will say Writer for the King. That channel of blessing is Deborah A. Bennett. Deborah, where can my listeners get a copy of your book?
4: Um, it's available in uh, hard copy, soft copy, and e-book on Amazon, and I believe Barnes & Noble. Mm. Um, those are the two uh, websites that they can go to.
0: Uh, Deborah, many of my authors have websites. Have you developed one as yet?
4: Um, it's called comehearmyvoice.com. And um, it's similar things to this, only they're usually more lengthy. And then there is also one connected directly to the book, which is um, GodSpeaksAmazingThings.com.
0: Fabulous. Very good. Thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. This is a fascinating idea and another approach to inspiring moments and thoughts. That uh, many of us need every day when we uh, are starting whatever activities or adventures we're, we're, we're creating with our life. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you. My pleasure for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts. Back in a moment.
5: Believe it or not, there are times when even I can't think of the right word. The inability to think of a word is called letholoptica. Texas Monthly Magazine recently came out with some colorful homespun sayings. Old as dirt and common as cornbread in the Lone Star State. Did you hear about the Texan that could strut sitting down? But he was all hat and no cattle, which means very boastful, but with nothing about which to boast. On top of that, he don't know a widget from a wang doodle or a diddly squat. His wife was a mighty strong woman. She'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. She was always telling folks that he was so tight, he could squeeze a nickel till the buffalo screamed. She also said he was famous for calling the hogs all night or snoring. It's marginalized. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. This book is titled A Spiritual Hypothesis An Inquiry into Abnormal and Paranormal Behavior. And joining me from near St. Louis, Missouri in the United States of America is author Daniel Punsack. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Well, thank you for asking me to, to speak. Well, this is a fascinating study because it has taken I'm sure a number of years to complete this uh, just for the information just for the, the notice of my listeners. There are 800 pages of research material that went into this, plus 150 pages of, uh, of resource notes and, and all of that. How long did it actually take Dan to complete?
2: Uh, I, I retired at the end of 2008, and I've been working on it ever since. In fact, I had done a lot of the research before, but I hadn't done uh, very little of the right actual writing.
0: The study, or the subtitle, An Inquiry into Abnormal and Paranormal Behavior, what was the genesis, what was the foundation that gave you curiosity about this particular area of life?
2: Well, uh, one of my uh, connections is in the Bible, uh, in several Places it references that the, uh, like in Paul's epistles he said he says your soul and your spirit so I uh, reached the uh, the the idea I'm proposing is that these are two separate spiritual aspects uh, within each human being and they have different functions and uh, when the uh, the soul aspect uh, uh, becomes what I call fragmented through various types of uh Things that they can either do or if can be as a result of child abuse that this results in this fragmented soul, and this causes uh, a lot of abnormal behavior, everything from mental illness to uh, criminal behavior
0: and as a uh, further disclosure, your background study was as an engineer, so you have that curiosity about a lot of detail i would I would surmise from from that particular uh, occupation or Process. It's amazing that you were able to focus on this particular subject material and create a book that is so all-inclusive. There are, again, nearly 800 pages. How did you organize this? How did you begin the study of a paranormal behavior?
2: Well, it, the main parts of the uh, book, I, probably the, one of the furthest uh, length of studies of uh, where I'm into is things like near-death experiences uh that's one of them there's other types but i found that there's very similar a lot of although it's uh i say it's spiritual and it it can be religious i'm saying that some of these uh, a lot of the things come from secular sources which i think shows that uh, that they're finding the phenomena there but they're just uh they just don't understand it, so they don't go into it. You've also done, uh, again, in
0: that section, a very detailed uh, look at childhood near-death experiences. What did you find that uh, maybe amazed you or surprised you the most?
2: Uh, well, most of sometimes they have difficulties, but most of them grow up to be very. They they uh, seem to mature much earlier, and they always uh, have inquiries. And what uh and these uh some of these it's it's rather unusual some things uh people have had these when they although they use the word childhood, it really goes from you know from almost from birth sex sometimes they've had them for blue babies and something like that, but it, then they'll go up say early teen years or something, but they they almost always seem to mature very well and uh are very responsible people uh what what is the, what well, is what, what is
0: the third man factor that you mentioned in your book
2: uh this is again this is a uh a pr- uh, prof- uh professor at a Canadian university and he found a uh uh that a mountain he was also a mountain climber and in the mountain climber community there's a uh, they know of this thing where when they're out and they're in desperate situations they think they're going to die and all of a sudden, this resource seems to show up that uh, guides them uh, to where they need to go, and and uh, and helps them. And, and this is, I said, my although well, he we started mountain climbing, he found this thing from people uh, stranded out in the ocean and people in the desert, and so uh, and so on like that. That uh, this resource seems to show up, and it's very comforting uh, to them.
0: You also deal with uh, the subject of disassociative identity disorder. I have known some people that I uh, would put in that category, whether I'm right or not. I'm certainly not uh, an expert in that area. How, uh, how connected are these um, psychological disorders? Uh, are they based or do they, do they originate in the same area of the brain or the mind or the psyche? Or, or how do you discover uh, a solution for, for understanding these people?
2: Well, I think that dissociative identity disorder is the furthest along in what I call this uh fragmented soul that it's almost always the result of child abuse and and so uh you you the a child's soul hasn't quite as well bonded to their physical body as uh as an adult so when they have this then it's easy for their soul and uh various other uh spiritual forces to enter them and uh but what I most uh, like about the dissociative is that they uh, therapists, and, again, these are almost all secular therapists, the ordinary have found a resource in there that they call the inner self-helper. And this seems to want to guide the uh, uh, person toward uh, mental health. And this is what I call this uh, second aspect of uh of a human being called you remember i said you have a soul in a spirit and i think this is the uh separate aspect
0: any differences between male and female uh is it more prevalent in females than male this this, uh, this uh, i'm sorry did the disassociative identity okay. disorder
2: uh it's 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 probably more common in uh women because they're probably although there are a number of boys that are abused probably a higher percentage of girls uh, undergo this child abuse and the other is that uh, uh, for for men a lot of times they're just simply put in prison and I think that uh, we could greatly reduce by looking at these spiritual therapeutic methods I, I mention in the book that I think we could greatly reduce uh, prison recidivism
0: when you began to write this book, I'm sure you had a, a a group of people in mind, besides those that are outlined in the book, that you hope to reach with the information you provided.
2: Well, although I, I think it can be considered uh, Christian, it can also be considered any type of spiritual thing like this, uh, near-death experiences. I often attend conferences on that, and I'm hoping, uh, and I've written a number of articles in their journals and uh, and And so on, so I'm hoping that when uh, publicity about that gets out to that organization, and there's other uh types of uh things, I think it it's I'm, I'm hoping it can also bring together some some of the the information might seem to be uh, rather new age, but I think uh, i'm I'm more attacking the uh, what I call the uh, the people what you call reductionism or materialism that thinks we have no spiritual aspect. Uh, but I think that maybe I can reunite some of these various uh, spiritual communities uh, in, into uh, this concept. Uh, what,
0: is, what was the Lerma study that you, you have mentioned in your book?
2: He was a uh, physician who worked at hospice, and he would often find that when people were dying, now this isn't everybody, but uh, there would all, uh, often be angels in the room that would, were sort of accompanying them
4: mm.
2: uh, to the afterlife. Uh, and he has a number of uh these in fact, some of these people, for instance, we may have undergone something close to a, what they call a life review and a near death experiences and that uh, maybe uh this spiritual presence that's there will take them through their life and and see that the uh mistakes they made and how they can uh, uh what they should have done but they're always uh, they're always done in a very real kind and uh understanding matter.
0: You, you've outlined this uh, by names uh, of cases and so on, so those individuals who are mentioned in your chapter are part of this study then?
2: Uh, yes, of course they're probably uh, uh, pseudonyms, uh, they're probably not the real people, but I'm trusting that this guy was a was, was a medical doctor and hospice director, that he was uh, responsible in conveying all the information Directly. What,
0: what have you outlined or discovered about shamanism how does that fit in
2: uh well partly that's uh where i i sort of changed it uh, uh where i use the word soul a fragmented soul that causes these difficulties and the, uh, the shamans used to say that most illnesses are the result of uh, what they called soul loss in other words the uh, Uh, your soul is no longer properly fitted into your physical body, and that that can create uh, uh, problems when that happens.
0: And for my listeners, this book is all-inclusive. It also especially focuses on what is called Christian deliverance and uh, Christian psychiatry. You've uh, talked about an area called bondage and healing methodology and given examples of that. So the book is not just focused on what uh, many would call New Age uh, approach, but your overall concept is to show people that there may be a connection between body, soul, and spirit. Would that be a way to describe the uh, overview
2: of your book? Uh, Yes, it would. That's a very good description. I like the one, for instance, I used this one medical doctor. He was in England, but he would... uh, Enough people might be interested in he found that uh that people that uh, that were born after an abortion in the family uh, often had uh problems then he would hold a religious service for the aborted child, and a lot of these uh difficult symptoms in these uh children born after the abortion uh would would go away so sometimes wow. in when we're doing regular things we say. Well, with the effect on the mother, and I'm not saying there, there can be major effects on her, too, but I'm saying you have to be careful of uh, children born after an abortion.
0: Phenomenal uh, insight that you, you have discovered. The, the style of writing, would you uh, outline it or, or, or talk of it as being difficult to understand, or is it fairly conversational in its style?
2: I I tried to make it fairly conversational but of course a lot of the uh articles I, I cite are written by doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists uh you, with advanced degrees so I am citing important materials but um complex materials but I think I tried to make it uh uh, it's, it's simple for anyone to understand.
0: Was that the most difficult part of completing this this assignment or this this task, this study uh, that took many years?
2: Uh, well, one of the problems was I finally decided to finish because I'm, I'm I even you know now I finished this over a year ago and I'm still finding you know new materials that I could uh, sometime use or something or if i'm speaking to somebody that i could add to this but uh it's a never ending study uh that can go on and i'm saying when uh, i mentioned this thing like uh, made the analogy when they uh uh when they first you know everybody could just look at the stars and you know with your eyes and then you come telescopes and then the more advanced telescopes they just raise more questions well this is what i'm saying on mine that anytime uh this is uh, doing this, you keep uh, raising more questions. Uh, when you raise, uh, when you seem to answer one question, you have a, um, a lot more new questions about human spirituality.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your story. This again is a book that would appeal to a wide variety of of individuals. Everything from people in the health profession to uh, spiritual profi- uh, professions uh, such as pastors, ministers, priests. Uh, anybody that has an interest in Delving deeper into the psyche of the human spirit. This is wonderfully done and beautifully researched. Thank you again, Daniel, for joining us today. The title of the book again is a spiritual hypothesis: an inquiry into abnormal and paranormal behavior. And again, written in a well-researched style. Uh, over 800 pages, so it's not something you can sit down in one evening and go through and and uh, grasp all of the details. But it'd be a wonderful, it would be a wonderful resource and a reference book. Uh, Dan, thank you for joining me. Where can my my listeners get a copy of this.
2: Uh, you can get it through Amazon, and you can get a, a, either a hardback, a soft cover, or a uh, uh, electronic edition, or any uh, Barnes and Noble or any uh, other other types of sources like that. I'll uh, oh, bet it's written by Arthur House, uh, so they you can go through them also.
0: Yes, and they can also search under your name, Daniel p-u-n-z-a-k and uh, find this book and from what you've described in our conversation it sounds as though you may have a sequel coming up is that possible
2: uh possible but uh like i said i've been doing this and i'm in my mid-70s so i have to uh be careful here um, although i am quite healthy so i'm Hopefully I have a number of years yet to go.
0: Uh, I think you do, and you're certainly a brilliant mind. Thank you, Dan, for joining me today. Again, the book titled, A Spiritual Hypothesis, An Inquiry into Abnormal and Paranormal Behavior. Author Daniel Punzak. Thank you, sir, for joining me today, and best of luck. Hope to visit with you in the future. Okay, fine. Thank My you. pleasure. For Author House and Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.